Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. All of the three readings for this weekend's readings speak to us about prayer. Now we all know prayer lies at the very heart of the spiritual life. Going to the Gospels, if you look at a typical day in the life of Jesus Christ, what would he do? He would begin his day by first getting up early in the morning, going to a deserted place and praying. And then after he was finished praying and only after, would he go about his duties for that day. Prayer was indispensable for Jesus in his life. Well, it should be indispensable for us, too. Prayer is important for us, and we should be a people of prayer, always. Not just when we are asking God for something in our life, but we should be always praying, every day. For not just ourselves, but our family and our friends and for other people in this world. We pray through the sorrows as well as through the joys and the challenges of our life. And so we pray every day, several times a day. Now, some people come to me from time to time and they essentially voice their frustration about their prayer. As if there is one essential prayer out there that will capture God's attention and all of the other prayers that they're praying is falling short. Well, we have to realize, you know, prayer is part of our relationship with God. And if you look at any good relationship, take your best friend or maybe your spouse, well, you have to work at the relationship all the time, every day. Well, prayer is the same thing. We have to constantly be working at our prayer, which is really communication with divine. And it is through prayer that helps us grow in our faith and our relationship with God. Turn to that first reading. Here we hear Abraham praying. In fact, it's an interactive discussion between him and God. Go to the gospel. Here the apostles take the initiative and they ask Jesus, point blank, teach us to pray. Now, if you look at the early church fathers, St. John Chrysostom, St. Irenaeus, St. Augustine, they'll all tell you that there are four principles of prayer, four basic principles that need to be present in order for our prayers to be effective. Now, what I want to do is go over those four principles. The first principle that helps to make our prayer effective, pray with faith. Well, upon hearing this, You may scoff and you say, well, of course I'm praying with faith. That's the reason why I'm praying, because I have faith. Well, again, go into the Gospels. The vast majority of Jesus' healing miracles, he'll always ask the person the question before he even heals them. And it's the same question. Do you believe that I can do this? Do you believe that I can heal you? Now, why does he do that? 
Why does he just heal the person? But instead, he asks that same question all the time. Well, he's trying to draw that person's faith out. Remember when Jesus went home? It says he was unable to perform many miracles in Nazareth because of their lack of faith. And so it begs the question, why does God need our faith? Well, faith opens up the window to our soul. And see, that's exactly where God's grace and his blessings go in order to strengthen our faith and to mature it so that we always grow in a greater relationship with God. Well, if we pray without faith, if we pray with doubt, well, that window of our soul is closed. And therefore, the grace from God can't touch our soul. We have to realize faith really is a conduit to God's grace and power. Therefore, we need to plug into it. Go to the gospel. You know, how does Jesus teach the apostles? He tells them first, when you pray, pray, Father. Now, the word that Jesus uses in Aramaic is Abba, which when translated means Daddy. Well, it's a term of affection. When we pray, we must pray with a deep affection for God, knowing that we will receive what we ask for. More to it, we approach God like a child, with the same openness of a child. We hold nothing back. What's the problem when our prayer doesn't work? Well, it's because of a lack of faith. Or we don't pray with the openness of a child. The window of our soul is closed for that lack of faith. The second principle that will make our prayer more effective is we pray with forgiveness. Remember when Jesus, he teaches the apostles, when you stand praying and have a grievance against your brother, forgive him as your Father in heaven forgives you. Your prayer won't be effective unless you forgive the grudges that you hold. Remember Matthew's gospel. Jesus says, when you're bringing your gift to the altar and suddenly remember that your brother has a grievance against you, leave the gift at the altar and go and make peace with your brother. Well, if we harbor grudges, we must reconcile them. It's important. Why? Because a lack of forgiveness blocks the flow of God's grace in us. Stop and think. God himself is pure love. And therefore, harboring grudges is the exact opposite of love. Therefore, it blocks the flow of God's grace into our soul. Now, I'm not naive in the fact that many of us have felt an injustice at some point in time in our life. We felt slighted or hurt. We hold on to that. We feel, you know, I just can't let that go. Well, if we feel this way, I think one of the greatest cures for this is stand, kneel, or sit before the crucifix. Gaze upon the crucifix, and there we see the greatest injustice that was ever committed in world history. Jesus is innocent, and yet he is betrayed, abandoned, and executed. And yet before he gives up his life, he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. He forgives us all. Well, so must we. A third principle that will make our prayer effective, persistence. You see this up and down the Bible, persistence in prayer. Just look to that first reading. Abraham is persistently asking God, 
begging him not to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Notice what he says. You know, if you find 50 people in the city, will you destroy them? God says no. Then Abraham comes back. Well, what about 40? What about 30? What about 20? What about 10? You know, it kind of reminds me of the kid in the back seat of the car on a long drive, you know, persistently asking or bugging their parents, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Go into the gospel. Look to that analogy that Jesus gives about that persistent friend. At the very end, he says, he will give whatever he needs because of his persistence. Well, we pray, and our prayer isn't answered, and we continue to pray for days, weeks, months, even years. And so we ask, why does God make us wait to answer our prayers? Is he not paying attention? Have we slighted him? Is he offended by what we've done? He's ignoring us. Why does he make us wait? Well, I think we, we can do. Turn to St. Augustine. He has the great answer for that. Augustine says, God makes us wait for our prayers to be answered because he wants our hearts to expand enough to be able to receive all the graces and all the blessings when our prayer is answered. Suppose God answers our prayer, all of our prayers, immediately. Well, eventually we'll take them for granted. We won't appreciate them. Instead, we pray, and we pray for days, weeks, months, maybe even years. What is God doing during this time? God is pulling and he's stretching our hearts, and eventually our hearts have expanded enough to receive all the blessings and all the graces of that answered prayer. See, then we really appreciate that prayer and that how it's answered. The fourth principle, to make our prayer more effective, pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Listen to our prayers throughout the Mass. We always conclude our prayers, we ask this, through Christ our Lord, amen. Why do we do that? Well, when we pray in Jesus' name, we align our prayer and our will to the prayer and the will of Jesus Christ. Now, you have to be careful with this. I'll give you some examples. You can't say, Lord, I pray that you may give me a red Porsche convertible. I ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Or, Lord, I pray that tomorrow night I win the lottery. I ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, that's not going to work. They will not work at all. Why? Because we have not aligned our prayer or our will to the will or the prayer of Jesus Christ. Remember what Jesus said, he can't serve God and manna. Or we say to God, Lord, I pray that you may extract vengeance against my enemies and destroy them all. I ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, that's not going to work. That's not in line with the will of Jesus Christ. Remember, Jesus was the Prince of Peace. See, when we pray in the name of Jesus, we have to pray it with the right spirit to align our will to God's will. That's why Jesus in the gospel, he teaches his apostles, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Well, we pray that every time we pray the Our Father. We pray that our prayer and our will will also align with the prayer and the will of Jesus Christ. Friends, today our scripture readings talk to us about prayer. Our early church fathers teach us the four principles that will make our prayer effective. 
First, pray with faith. Believe that our prayers are heard and answered. Pray with forgiveness. You know, remove all those obstacles that prevent God's grace from penetrating our soul. Pray with persistence. Don't give up. And finally, pray in Jesus' name. Align our prayer and our will to the prayer and the will of Jesus Christ. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.